When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. Today I'll be talking with McKinney Smith. McKinney is a speaker, a parent of teens, a entrepreneur, an author, and has a lot to share about her parenting experiences, and I loved talking to her. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, McKinney. Thank you so much for talking with me on The Family Brain. I one of the things that in starting this podcast, I have this idea that I've seen and that I've experienced that, you know, when one person in the family is experiencing something, it affects everyone within the family. So I was wondering if you could just start by talking about who is in your family and who who your family brain <laughs> includes. Definitely, definitely. And thank you, Megan, for having me on the show. Um, my family. Um, in my household, I've got myself, who is, you know, a full-time entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. I've got my partner, who is also an entrepreneur, and he's been an entrepreneur for about three or four years now. I've got my eldest daughter, who is 21, who is also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my 18-year-old, who she is a social media influencer. So she is an entrepreneur as well. And I have my 13 year old son. So are we going to make him be an entrepreneur? What happens? <laughs> like, what's up slacker? Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but right. I feel like he's the brightest of us all. So anything he does won't surprise me. Right. What, when you say entrepreneur, what, what do you, how do you define that? Like what makes you identify as an entrepreneur and sort of, I guess I don't, I am not one. I'm a more of a scaredy cat. I think, (laughs) um, what, what, what sort of goes behind that? What are some of the things that go on in your world? Um, so when I say entrepreneur, I mean, anyone who is self-employed, anyone who is working for themselves, anyone who doesn't have a boss. Um, (laughs) that's, that's what I mean. Okay. I don't Um, have a boss, but I also don't make any money. So I feel like I'm, (laughs) I'm, 
I'm not quite an entrepreneur yet. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh-huh. I've, I've had those moments. I've mm-hmm. had those moments. I'll be totally real with you. I've had great moments where I've made multiple six figures and I've had other moments for a long period of time where I made $0. So I get it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I like that. I, um, I think it takes a lot of courage to be an entrepreneur. It's, Definitely. you know, because it's, it's a risky environment, sort of like what you're saying is you can do really well, or you can struggle and it's really all up to you. Um, well, I'm so thankful that you're willing to talk about your experiences with raising your kids. And I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what has sort of surprised you the most in this parenting journey. <laughs> Is it a long list? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, how do I say this? When I decided to become a mom, I was young. I was 17 and I had no idea what I was doing. And now that I'm almost 40, I still have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, There is no parenting book out there that can give you all the answers to being a parent. Every child is different. Every situation um, and everyone is different. I think what has surprised me the most is the drastic difference in personalities with my children and how each of them has taken some of my strongest qualities, whether it be positive or negative, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and amplified them um, individually. And seeing them make up their own mind. And I feel like because I came from a mother who it's do what I say and do it now, learning to parent differently and allowing my children um, choices and the ability to make decisions for themselves, to feel, you know, how it, it feels to uh, fail and get back up, um, allowing them to make the decision of what they enjoy versus forcing my views on them of who they should be or what they should be. Um, those, those things all surprised me because, like I said, I, I came from a different type of parenting. Mm-hmm. So the, the individuals that I'm raising right now, I don't even call them children anymore. I have my, my adults. Right. <laughs> um, they surprise me every day. Do you ever feel like, I feel like I have a similar philosophy. And then when, in those moments when my kids are pushing back on me, like, well, you're not in charge of my decisions. I'm like, shoot, they're as strong as I wanted them to be, you know, yet they're using their powers against me. It's yes. very humbling. It, it is. And I feel like as human beings, we have to understand how much we actually have control over, you know, it's hard enough to control ourselves, right. much less be able to control another human being. And even though there are children, we want to be able to give them guidance to guide them in the right way. But when it comes to them actually making decisions, those are choices that they make that we can't control. So, you know, sometimes when my kids do things and I want to bang my head against the wall, <laughs> I have to remind myself that I'm upset because my ego is hurt that I can't control them. Yes. Well, and it's funny when you were talking about when you were 17 and you didn't know what you were getting into. I mean, none of us do, although (laughs) some of us maybe think we know more than we actually do. And then I feel like I'm the type of personality where I want to do all the research in advance. So I'm totally Mm -hmm. ready. No, no mistakes will happen. And I mean, again, this has just been a very humbling experience where you sort of realize where all your weaknesses lie every child will sort of help you expose where you still have some ego work to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, I've, I've experienced that as well. 
What? <laughs> I, so I, I was talking to you before about your daughter who is the social influencer and I looked her mm-hmm. up and she is stunning. Tell Thank me you. a little bit about <laughs> this journey. I mean, I, I think I would be terrified. Like, this is my child. I want to keep them. I want to keep them all to myself and put them in a little box, you know, and she is definitely not in a box. No, (laughs) she is not. Um, What has that process been like? It's definitely been an interesting journey with her. I mean, since the moment that she was old enough to walk, she has um, been what I call my challenger child. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my eldest and my youngest are more easygoing and more um, eager to please mom. And my middle daughter is kind of totally has a mind of her own and wants to do things her way. And when she started high school in grade nine, she discovered makeup and I didn't know that she was taking all of my makeup Mm -hmm. and being a scientist and creating her own foundations with mixing my stuff. And she started watching YouTube videos and she taught herself how to do makeup. And because I used to be in that field of aesthetics, I had tons of stuff, like cases of stuff. So she was able to learn how to do makeup and she excelled at it. So under labels, she has um, ADHD. So attention deficit hyper disorder, but we don't label her as that. Um, And I feel like even though she struggled in school, she has so many genius qualities. And when it comes to being creative, she excels at that. So when she discovered how to do makeup, we're like, okay, well, that's an outlet for her to work on her strengths. And although her father wasn't too pleased with the amount of makeup she began to wear, Mm -hmm. um, we realized that she was really good at doing makeup for herself and on her friends. And when she turned 16, we allowed her to open up her Instagram from a private page to a public page. Now, me being her mother who travels the world and I have a social media presence online people are very interested in my family my children my my life and I had posted a couple of pictures of her from one of her modeling portfolios and my audience was very interested in her appearance you know she has a unique look she's mixed race she has dreadlocks and then she decided you know her following started to grow and she decided okay well Now I want to dye my hair fire engine red. (laughs) And I kind of laughed it off and I left that morning and I was off out working with a client. You left. And I I got a photo of my daughter from her with her hair bright fire engine red. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness. And, you know, it grew on me, but that kind of accelerated her her growth of following online where you know she's unique looking and she's got over 300,000 followers on Instagram and none of them have ever even heard her voice (laughs) it's it's interesting it's interesting so how as as the mom and sort of how did you you process that sort of allowing your child to be not consumed. That's, that's a weird word. I don't know, but to be in other people's lives that you don't know, how did you, how did you manage that? Or is that something you're more comfortable with because you also have more of that public presence? Um, yeah, so it was a little, a little easier for me to absorb. Um, but I had to do my best to, uh, guide her in the right direction because she's 
very young. Right. Um, for myself, you know, a part of the brand that I've built is helping women to own their stories, to be comfortable with who they are and to build their self-esteem and their self-image. So allowing her to, you know, be free to express that, it would be hypocritical of me to say, no, you can't do that. Um, she grew so quickly in the matter of, you know, a year, she had, you know, tacked on almost 200,000 followers and it, you know, it's continued to grow now that it's over three, but it was a very fast transition for her. And, you know, you can imagine even as a grown woman, how that can affect you. Mm -hmm. Um, and she definitely went through those moments with her self-esteem and we've had moments where we've deactivated her account and taken her off social for her own mental health to make sure that she was ready to deal with what comes with that. Because no matter how smart you are, no matter how pretty you are, no matter what, there will always be, you know, social media trolls. Right. And, you know, she's had a, a few because if they don't agree with her red hair, they don't agree that she has tattoos at 18 or anything like that. You know, they come with their comments, but we've been working to teach her to accept who she is, to love who she is, despite what other people's opinions of her may be. So it's, it's been a process. Well, and as I'm listening to you, it's, it just reminds me of this thing that sort of keeps coming up for me is that you have to be genuinely okay and cool with that philosophy, like in your bones. Yes. Because I think sometimes, <laughs> you know, this is when push comes to shove, you know, like you can think all these things and feel all these things. And then when your child wants to do something, you're like, wait, that was just a book I read. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting. And, and to be honest with you, at the beginning of her journey, she had to remind me many times mm. of what it is that I preach to other women, because, you know, my, my children have come with me to speaking engagements and they've been there at book signing. So they've been a part of my, my journey on the business side of it. So they know, and they see firsthand what happens and what I say. So right. if I'm home and I, say the opposite <laughs> of what I'm preaching, they will remind me. Right. You're like, how um, dare you listen to what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What, so you, it, it keeps me on my toes. Can you talk a little bit about your business and, and a walk in my stilettos, how that got started? Um, I know you have a book and a podcast and you speak publicly all over the world. What, how did that originally get started? Well, that's interesting. Okay. So Back in 2012, my sister, who was 39 at the time, and I'm 39 now, so it'll all fall together soon, um, she passed away. She um, went into cardiac arrest. She was in a coma for three weeks, and we held on as long as we could until they legally uh, declared her no longer with us because her organs all began to shut down. And after she passed, my entire family went into this deep depression together. Mm -hmm. She was like the hub of the family. And I started to receive a lot of messages and phone calls and emails and, you know, all kinds of notifications with other people wanting to let me know what she meant to them. And at the time I was selling real estate, my phone number was on the internet. So so many people had access to me and just all of these positive messages of how my sister had touched their heart and how she had supported them even when their family didn't or what you know positive messages she would send to them in their their inbox and positive motivational videos from youtube and it made me think about what kind of legacy do i want to leave behind how do i want to be remembered and i was in the process of going to support groups for the fact that one i had dealt with a very 
um, difficult divorce. And now too, losing my sister, who was also my best friend. And she was my voice at the time because I was very introverted. I wouldn't have even thought of being, you know, on a show being interviewed. Mm. And I, I looked at my, my story and all the women in the support group kept saying, oh my goodness, like you need to write a book. That's crazy. Everything that's happened to you. How are you still able to still be so positive? And on my personal development journey, you know, um, my mentor, Bob Proctor, it, it was like understanding how to get yourself out of those places and how to, you know, lift your energy and lift other people's energy and, and serve and contribute. And I thought, okay, well, I can write a book. So I was obsessed with stilettos. My whole real estate brand was about stilettos. And instead of saying a walk in my shoes, it was a walk in my stilettos. And that evolved because I started having women all over the world reaching out to me saying, I want you to mentor me. Oh my God, I read your book and I feel like you're telling my story. And I had no idea where it would go or how many people it would touch, but I started getting commissioned to speak in different parts of the world. And I did book signings in the US and Africa. And it was totally beyond anything I thought would happen. And it evolved into four more books and then it evolved into a personal development app. And then it evolved into my podcast and me owning my story and getting through my fears helped me to reach a lot of goals that I never thought possible. So today what I do is I coach other women to own their stories so they can reach their goals. I love that. That is just so (laughs) cool. I mean, what's so interesting, I was talking to a woman recently who had gone through a difficult experience in a relationship and she was, she wanted sort of similar to what you're saying. She wanted to leave a legacy and sort of use this difficult experience to um, help other people. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying is that I feel like when you start putting that energy out there into the world, it just sort of starts to take on this new life that you could have never planned, you know? And that's, what's just, I mean, it gives me chills because it's just, a really cool thing that I'm, I'm very type A. I'm like, I wouldn't say, Oh, put, you know, but I've seen it so many times that it's undeniable. You know, it's just when you put out, like I, especially when it's something good, you know, you're Mm -hmm. trying to help people and you just, it's amazing to me how the pieces start to come together and how many people actually need the message you're sharing, you know, and that you're not the only one with that story and that you can sort of have power together. What are some of the most common stories you hear from people coming to you that, that is, is there a common story or is there a common, <laughs> there, is just all? there's a few, there's a few. I mean, one of the main um, things that I find with a lot of women is we stand in our own way. Mm. It's our own self-doubt that limits our opportunities and our abilities and the relationships that we have with people and the things that we go after. And if we only understood how much power we actually have and how strong our minds are, and it's like, you know, a muscle, you know, you go to the gym, you train your muscle, it becomes stronger. You don't, it becomes weak. The mind is the same thing. And when we stop giving our power over to other people and allowing them to control us, we can do so much in this world. And especially when we, you know, add minds together, when we have masterminds or you know multiple people working on the same thing focusing Mm -hmm. on the same thing like energy goes where energy flows so it's like you said like you put something out there and things should you just start to attract what's needed yes 
No, it's really, it's a, it's a fun thing to be aware of. Cause I think I spent a good chunk of my life, not really realizing that, mm-hmm. um, that it, that I always thought it was my plan. Like, what am I going to decide? Actually, <laughs> that leads me to another question. I know, um, your faith is really important to you in your mm-hmm. journey. Can you talk a little bit about how, how do you benefit from your faith, but also how do you use that to help other people? And do you sort of meet them where they are in their faith journey or do you put that to the side or how do you, how do you, how do you incorporate that in your work? My, my faith is my foundation. It's my moral compass. Uh, I don't force my beliefs on anyone, but it allows me to love and accept everyone for where they are. Um, We all evolve differently. We all have our own different spiritual journeys, but my belief in loving loving everyone, my belief in forgiving and understanding that we all need forgiveness because none of us are perfect, my beliefs in knowing that none of us are perfect. We all have, you know, things that we're ashamed of or our weaknesses. And if we had someone who supported us or loved us and embraced us and focused on our strengths and not our weaknesses, we could be better people. So I feel like my faith not only has built who I am as a person, but it helps in my ability to help others because it's mind blowing to me sometimes, um, I guess because of my transparency about my journey of you know being a teen mom and being in abusive relationships and the things that I've had to overcome. I have women who message me through social media or emails and share things with me that they've never shared with their family or their husband mm-hmm. or their partner because they feel safe. They know that I'm not judging them. They know that I can relate because I can understand I've been there. Um, so I feel like my faith has been a huge part in helping me to be that person, uh, not only for myself, but for other women. Yeah. I have a similar, I don't usually talk too much about myself, but I'll make it quick. I have a similar <laughs> experience. I had a friend, my next door neighbor was killed, um, in a domestic violence oh, wow. Wow. incident a few years ago. And, and since that I, with a couple other friends, started a nonprofit called Project Brave, and we try to educate kids about healthy relationships and just Mm. signs, red flags, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I have had the same experience where I end up talking to people um, about things that have gone on with them. And I think that transparency just helps people become more open, more vulnerable to know that you, you understand where they're coming from. You understand how confusing it is, how Mm -hmm. you can easily not see the red flags, even though you hear about them and, um, how it's just, it can be a pervasive thing and it can happen to anyone. So anyway, I just, I, uh, I can relate to that, that story. I totally, totally agree with you. I think when, when my sister first passed away, I was angry with God. I was angry with everyone and everything. And I couldn't understand why this could happen to such a good person and I'll be totally honest with you I would not be the woman I am today had I not experienced that like I said before my sister was my voice she spoke for me even if I wanted to return something at a store I didn't even have the guts to say I don't like this I want to return it I Hmm. would bring my sister with me for her to do it if I had a dispute with my mother I would use my sister to pass the message. I didn't feel strong enough. And since she's passed, every experience that I've had in terms of trying to honor her legacy has given me the strength to 
be more transparent and to be more open and to use my voice, not only for myself, but for other women. Right. Well, and I think that that's where if someone's listening and feels like they're in that pit of why is this happening? How am I going to use my life? My life is miserable that there is the possibility that, that God is planning that experience for good in the future. You just can't see it now. And if you Mm -hmm. are not a God person, then you know, that, that even still that it could be used for good in the future. Um, and it's just hard to see when you're in that hole. Definitely. One of the, um, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, one of the things you mentioned before is that your daughter is mixed race. And I know mm-hmm. um, we spoke a little bit about that. What Can you talk to me a little bit about um, how you talk to your kids about race? And is that a conversation, an ongoing conversation in your home? Is it something that's just part of life? How do you, how do you educate your kids around race and um, <laughs> so, okay. Fix this. So I've, Fix this I, have, I have two girls and, uh, a son. So my two daughters are for my high school sweetheart and my son is for my ex-husband and all three of my kids are of mixed race. So my daughters, um, so my background, my, both my parents are from Jamaica, um, and my daughter's father, his parents his father was born in Trinidad, but he's mixed with like Indian and black. And then his mother who was born here in Canada, um, her background in her family was, um, a mix of, I believe German and, um, I can't remember the other country at the moment, but they're mixed. And then my son, his father, his parents' background is actually Pakistani. So, I've always been raised in a multicultural environment. I grew up in government housing and we saw every culture working together. It was, whether it was, you know, complete families or whether, you know, it was broken homes, but there was every culture, there was no bias. Um, And you've seen a lot of the mothers work together to help other mothers. If one mother had to be at work a certain time, you knew that, the neighborhood mothers are looking after your child when you're home. It was, wasn't necessarily you had to find a sitter. So I had that environment that I was raised in, and I basically didn't look at other cultures too different growing up, I would say. And when I became an adult and I had my children, you know, I, I dated all different kinds of races. And I guess my openness with multicultural environments I've kind of instilled in my children so they haven't necessarily I would say on a major scale had to deal with any race issues but the conversation in the house is like you know we're a Heinz 57 you're mixed with everything so if you go through our family history there's no you've got cultures from all over the world right well, and what's so, funny is when you look, even with this ancestry stuff now and um, 23andMe, you realize mo- all of us are pretty, not all, I'm sure there's some people out there that aren't mixed with different, you know, countries and different mm-hmm. people from different places, but that's probably more common. And it's just interesting to me that we talk about mixed race when it shows up on your skin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like yeah. there's people are mixed, I'm mixed, but I, it doesn't show up on my skin necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um it's just interesting the categories we create 
Yes. Um, I don't know. It's just, I'm reading this book. It's called In the Country of Women, and it's a memoir. Um, but, and the woman sort of traces some of her past family um, history, but then she also talks about the history of like conquerors coming in and making decisions about the categories that we we're going to put people in. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting how we, I don't question some of the things that we say. And I'm trying to be a little bit more aware of, well, where did that category even come from? You know, Mm -hmm. how did we decide that that was something that we were going to talk about? Mm -hmm. Um, And I know before when we were talking, you mentioned that you notice it to be a a different situation in the United States versus Canada, where you are. Definitely, yes. What do you notice in terms of the differences there? So, I mean, I travel a lot between Canada and the U.S., and I have a large percentage of my network that's online is from the U.S. So I see a huge difference in even the perception or the the voice of racism um, or the sensitivity to it. And I mean, racism exists everywhere, but it's not as um, bold and in your face here um, in Toronto. You know, you'll find there may be some people that have different experiences, but from my experience, it's very rare to have, um, you know, a racist experience. I have... And Toronto is very multicultural, right? Very. I went to visit my my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Their family lives in Toronto. And we went to the Children's Museum. And Mm -hmm. I was just looking around like, this is the coolest thing. I mean, people (laughs) from everywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can see how that would make a big difference. If everybody's from everywhere, then everybody's from everywhere. It's just how it is. Yes, Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I know that a lot of my friends in the U.S., they have a lot of, I'm going to say, post and very strong um, opinions when it comes to race and I find they can be more hypersensitive but like I said before where energy goes energy flows so if you are hypersensitive to racism and every experience you're looking for a reason to be offended or you know everything causes a conversation around racism it's going to seem like it's everywhere and in your face that's not my personal experience and that hasn't been you know what I've seen with my children or those that are around us. Um, the rare time where there is a racist experience, it's, how do I say? It's not as blatant. And I also find the, the difference with a lot of my friends in the US, they're like, if you look at their grandparents or their great grandparents, like they, they are so close to slavery and Mm -hmm. having not really knowing their history and I find a lot of um African Americans will say you know if you ask them about their their history or their background they're they're American they're African American but here in Canada the black population is mainly either from the Caribbean or from Africa so many of us in my age group were first generation Canadians. Our parents migrated here from their countries. So when it comes to, you know, being angry or having certain deep rooted um, views about racism and and so on, we don't have that because that wasn't our experience or how we were brought up or the stories that we were told. Right. Well, I just had to look up um, the other day because I knew we were going to be talking about this a little bit. And I was just thinking about, well, why is there that difference? And I was thinking, 
it's most likely the United States legacy of slavery. Mm -hmm. And so I had to look up, did Canada have slaves? And it sounds like there were, but it wasn't to the same extent that Mm -hmm. we had in the United States, but I had no idea. And I mean, if you, I'm, I'm from Canada, so I can say it. I am not a fan of Trump. Um, He is not a nice person. And I am from the United (laughs) States. And I also can say I'm not a fan of Trump. Because I have okay. freedom of speech. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes if you, if you have, okay, I mean, morale trickles, starts from the top and trickles down. So if you have a leader who is guiding an entire country and he is ignorant and misogynist and racist and all of these things, it allows the people underneath him to bring out those qualities that they have. Mm-hmm. and it just breeds negativity. Um, so I find here our leaders are more sensitive and, and careful, mm-hmm. um, even if they did have those same opinions. So it's not as blatant and in your face no, as it is in the U.S. That's very fair. I can yeah. accept that. <laughs> uh, what... Um, I'm wondering if there's any things that you were hoping you'd be able to talk about that I haven't asked you about so far. I feel like we've covered a lot of territory, but it's been- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything offhand. Okay, um, it's funny because sometimes I, you know, the, the, doing a podcast, you know, you do one. It can take a lot of work to to mm-hmm. set up the times and record and do all of that. But I just love talking to you. And I feel like this is one of those things where it makes me happy that I am doing this because I get to Thank have a positive energy coming from you. So I appreciate I it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I definitely know how much work goes into <laughs> producing a podcast and especially when you're interviewing other people and setting up times and all that good stuff. And I know that it is a lot of work and it, it has to be a passion first right? Um, in order for you to be consistent at it. And I love having the conversations, you know, both on my podcast and being on other people's podcasts because it, it, it opens up your mind to different perspectives. You know, um, I just love hearing other people's stories and thank you for allowing me to come on and share mine. Of course. I actually have one last question for you before we hop off. I'm wondering if you could go back and give your teenage self any advice. Let's <laughs> say, assuming your teenage self would listen to you or either way, what, what kind of <laughs> advice would you give your teenage self? Wow. Um, you have a voice, use it. That would probably be the main thing. I, I, I mean, I was a feisty teenage girl, mind you, you know, I, I had a bit of a sharp tongue, but I was still not loud. I was still um, not always open to speaking up for myself. And maybe naturally I'm not supposed to be loud because I still am not, but I'm not afraid to speak up for myself. I'm not afraid to speak my perspective. I'm not afraid to say what I believe. So I would definitely tell my teenage self to use your voice. I love that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a gift talking to you and I will be sure to send you the recording once it's all cleaned up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. (laughs) No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. If you're interested in learning more about McKinney Smith, you can check out her website, awalkinmystilettos.com. 
That's her book, A Walk in My Stilettos. She can also be found on Instagram at The Real McKinney Smith and Twitter at McKinney Smith. So please share this episode if you think you know somebody who might benefit from the message. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.